Welcome to the You're Gonna Make It podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. I'm Daniel Fusco. Join me and explore how to face the challenges of our lives and live with joy and hope the way God designed us to. What's happening, everybody? I hope you are all doing amazing. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fusco. So excited that we get to be together. I love the fact that God is always inviting us to respond to Jesus, to take steps into a brand new way of living. God meets each one of us at street level right where we are. So thanks for joining me on the podcast, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're driving, whether you, maybe you're running on a treadmill or you're just uh, trying to ignore the, all the work that's piling up in your inbox. You're like, I'm just going to listen to the Fusco's podcast. Wherever you are, I just pray that you are doing awesome. And we are celebrating because I have a brand new book that depending on when this podcast drops, either is about to come out or has just come out called You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess. Thank you for joining me on this journey, for being excited about it, for letting people know about it. And I am stoked today. I love getting to do this podcast because I just love hanging out with my friends, people who I love, who I respect, people who I learn from, and just hanging out turning the recording on and just goofing off. And today I am with one of my very best friends in the whole world, the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Ritchie. Jason, what's good in your world, bro? Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. I I brought a, a kombucha today so because I know it's going to be a special day. Oh, okay. So, so listen, so let's talk about kombucha for a little bit because, you know, <laughs> let's be honest. I remember when the first sets of kombucha came out, it literally tasted like you're drinking like the water that's been sitting in like a backed up, you know, sink oh, for wow, a while. Wow, so, wow, I mean, remember the, okay. the original ones? It was just like, it was just tasted like, and it was like the, the, the scoby, the, like the big flum yeah, ball uh, yeah, at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if everybody knows your background a lot, but as deeply as I do, but I'm kind of picturing you go back to kombucha before the rest of us have heard of it. Like maybe your your friends that you were hanging out with when you were a Krishna for a while. Is that is that when you first ran into it when you were a vegetarian? Well, absolutely. I mean, like, I, don't think about, I was a Gen X hippie in the nineties, you know what I mean? And, and, and so like, so I had friends who were like, Hey, you got to drink this. This is, this is so, it's so good for you. It's like, and this was before everyone realized that like, there's more brain cells in your gut than in your actual brain and stuff. And they, and they would like make this thing and I'd be like, why would anyone drink this? This is horrible. No, this is so good for you. So, so, so what, what, which kombucha are you drinking? Yes. And, okay. Mine would be, I, I came along after it was refined, so I didn't experience that. This is, uh, this is brew doctor. This is brew doctor, super berry. This nice. is, this is the stuff right it's here. It's good stuff. And, and listen, if you've never had kombucha, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't play a doctor on this podcast or anywhere else, but it is super good for your gut health. And, and I'm super proud of Jason for, for drinking. Now, so for those of you who don't know, Jason and I are, are super close bestie friends, always hanging out. We live in town together. We work together. We goof off together. What people may not know about Jason is that Jason is a phenomenal musician. My wife, my bride Lynn, her absolute favorite album is Jason Ritchie's solo piano album called Quiet Moments. 
that literally, I think we've gone through like four CDs of it before we burned it onto the uh, onto digital copies, so we don't really lose it. So, so Jason, tell a little bit about your journey playing, you know, tickling the ivories, playing the piano. Uh, well, that goes way back. My parents started me when I was four years old. So, uh, literally playing classical piano and popular music for ever for like my whole life and got into jazz music, gospel music, funk music, and uh, especially in high school and college. And I'm into worship music, of course, as a, as a Christian and going to church that, that was a big part of my life as well. So yeah, just always been around music and, but still my, if I'm just driving in my car, then I'm probably listening to jazz as my, you know, go-to. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of different kinds I like, but um, the more uh, the more piano centered stuff I really enjoy. So good. Now, listen, for those of you out there uh, listening to the podcast, you might not know, but I have a bunch of albums out. I forced uh, my good friend Jason to play music that he might not normally play on his own a little bit more. Uh, avant-garde or free jazz or freely improvised stuff. But Jason played on a number of the albums that I have out there, like the Glory Dust Sessions, the Makeshift Mobile Hotspot. We do have that single out called the Honestly Blues based on my uh, on my first books, Honestly. Uh, and uh, Jason's playing the piano on all of that. And I bet if you Google his name, you could find Quiet Moments as well. You will be super blessed by it. So... Okay, so I got I got to get into this book because uh, besides besides the kombucha, um, the that's one way you can help when your life feels overwhelmed. But besides that, and the free uh, or, jazz, of course, or, that or coffee, free jazz and and coffee, right? Even though you left, I'm still there. You left us back here with our coffee, and you you're you're free of it, but. Um, but no, I'm still completely absorbed and, and <laughs> love it more than ever. So uh, uh, anyway. Oh, wait, um, before before I, we move on from that, though. So I used to always joke. I used to call Jason the high priest of caffeine because when I first moved to the, to the, to the Portland metro area, I was drinking decaf because literally I don't need the coffee, uh, the caffeine. But I remember, Jason, you won me over. Because every time you're like, oh, you have to try this, and, and it was like, and you, it was like you were like a chemist, man. It was unbelievable. Like, like there was like Bunsen burners and beakers, and there was like timers. And every time I would get a cup of coffee from Jason, it was like a, it was a sacrament. It felt like I felt like it was a sacrament. It was really powerful. So thank it's you for a that. holy. Yes, it is a holy moment, and <laughs> yeah, you should see what I'm doing with espresso at home. It's insane. I mean, I can't even I describe it. it on the podcast. I don't even have time. <laughs> it's that it's that ridiculous. But the shots are for what equipment I have. They're the gloopiest, gloppiest, most flavorful, crazy shots I can make. So every day, that's what I do first thing after I get out of the shower is make coffee for my wife and I, espresso. Nice. Yep. <laughs> the goofiest. Oh yeah, you can just picture it. it's just like gloppy, just wondrous. Yeah, espresso. <laughs> now okay. everyone, everyone who listens to the podcast okay. realizes like these guys are buddies. They're just having too much fun right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh I but if it's not if it's not a super berry kombucha or espresso, 
the next thing I, I turn to in my life to, to get through it is, is the, uh, you're going to make it book. So, um, you know, I was part of that series when you were, when you were putting it together and teaching through it and learning about it, uh, in the, in the uh, pandemic. And, um, I'm sure you've talked about it, but I'm just, I just wanted to hear about kind of the, I, for me, the underpinning of a book is so important and, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily define my experience as I read it because everybody has their experiences that we bring to the, to the table. But it's always fun to hear where the author's head was at when they were putting together, um, a book. So, uh, share a little bit about what you were going through, um, your feelings and your, your emotions as you were navigating kind of what was going on that, that became the subtext of the book. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the book you're going to make it unlocking resilience when life is a mess was really born in the midst of the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, like everybody, I mean, like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around in the last global pandemic and no matter what someone's beliefs about what COVID is or isn't, you know, 2020 and 2021 were very, very, very challenging times where you have, you know, kind of uh, all of the, the, the what's going on with the medical stuff with with the COVID nineteen you know pandemic, and then on top of that, you end up with civil and social unrest. The pandemic, as countries were literally shutting down, created a financial you know a, a financial crisis. Uh, like where there was like a, a, a flash crash of, of, of all the financial markets and there was so much turmoil. And then obviously as that kind of continued on, you know, you, you end up in an election year, um, very, very uh, divisive election year. And, and everything was just different. And, and so, you know, for, for us, you know, as a pastor, I get to pastor this, be one of the pastors at this amazing church called Crossroads in Vancouver, Washington, you know, we're all of a sudden like, we're, you know, we're not holding in-person gatherings and, and there's all this stuff going on. And I realized very quickly, I was doing a series and I realized I had to kind of just change gears and start, you know, to try and help shepherd or, or pastor, uh, not only the Crossroads family, but all the people who are watching online and people on TV and the radio, people who are checking out the podcast. And I'm like, I just need to talk about like, how do we walk through times of uncertainty where we're feeling overwhelmed? And in a lot of ways, to, to be honest, I, I always end up writing a book because I'm like, I need to know how to do this. And so I want to go and I want to search the scriptures and say like, you know, what does the Bible say about, you know, how we should walk? And, and, and in the midst of all of it, what, what I landed on was that there's this resilience equation. That's what I like to call it. That there is this uh, this biblical truth that teaches us how to live like the victorious Christian life. And that resilience equation, I call it, it's hope plus grit equals unstoppable. And in a lot of, I get it right out of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses one and two. In verse two, it says that looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now is seated at the right hand of the father. So really you see like Jesus is the example of this. Notice for the joy that was set before him. So Jesus had this joy, this mindset of hope because he knew that God had a plan and that God was going to work his plan out. But in order for Jesus, he has this 
hope-filled mindset. And then because of that, he was able to have this grit, this ability to persevere, to continue on, even when there's no hope of a, of a change or a reward, you know, he, he has this grit so he can endure the cross and he can despise the shame. And then ultimately it lands at unstoppable because Jesus had this hopeful mindset. He was able to live this lifestyle of grit and it landed him in a place of exaltation. Now, obviously Jesus is the only one who gets to sit down at the right hand of the father, but because Jesus was victorious, we get to be victorious. And so I learned in the midst of this that I need a mindset of hope, but and, and I also need this ability to be resilient, to be persevering, to be steadfast while I'm awaiting God doing and and finishing up what he's trying to finish up. And so for me, this resilience equation has been really, really important and something that I'm constantly coming back to and really forms like the, the big idea of the book you're going to make it. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Daniel here. So I get the privilege of hanging out with you each and every week, and you are a very special part of my life. And I want to make sure I share with you a little about my new book, You're Going to Make It. This book was born out of the tough times we all walked through in 2020. But not only that, the tough times we all experience in life, period. If you're anything like me, there's always one more challenge right around the corner. And the enemy is just waiting to steal away our joy, take away our impact on others, and remove our will to go through onto another day. This is what You're Gonna Make It is all about. Unlocking that incredible resilience and determination, the grit and the hope that we all want in our lives. But sometimes we just can't get there. So I wanna help you get there. Look, I've done a lot of studying around this and learning how to get to a place where I have resilience and hope and joy no matter what I'm facing. In this book, I unpack how to unlock resilience through fear and worry, stress, and times of suffering so that we can live lives of unique strength and hope. So I look forward to joining you as we grow together. You can pick up a copy of You're Gonna Make It on my website, danielfusco.com, or anywhere you buy books. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. So for... For this book, I think one thing that I think is key is is that I kind of took away is perseverance. I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if perseverance is something we even know in the same way as, as you know, generations before, like the greatest generation. I think about going through what they went through with World War II and, you know, um, just family disappearing for for years or, or never coming back and, and, uh, and then the world being redefined in terms of, of what's happening with housing and where you live and what jobs are available and what, you know, what food looks like and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I think of us today and, uh, 
you know, I'm just wondering if perseverance is something we even understand. Like, how, how do you how do you approach, you know, explaining perseverance to today's generation? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think what you're getting at is that, you know, culturally, we don't have a lot of grit or perseverance because, you know, there's been a lot of like, we've been exceedingly blessed. Like there's a saying that pops around that that says that hard times create strong people. And then strong, you know, and then strong people create easier times. And then easy times create weaker people. And then weaker people create harder times. And then the cycle continues. And and every okay, time wait, I wait, wait, wait. Say, say that again. It's, it's pretty good, right? It is. So I okay, think so we all we all are like trying listening, but but yeah, just make to make sure that for all of us listening at home. Okay, so me. hard times create strong people. And then strong people create easier times. And then easier times create weaker people. And then weaker people create harder times. And then again, harder times create stronger people. It, it kind of goes back to that old saying that like, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And so I think for our generation, I mean, you know, in this day and age, the pandemic, I mean, they hadn't had a global pandemic like what we experienced since the Spanish flu, which was like my grandmother was, was, uh, wasn't, you know, was alive at the very end of that. And so and my grandma's 95. And so, so most of us weren't there for that. And so, uh, for us, you know, for us, a hard day, not that I don't want to minimize people's struggles, but culturally there hasn't been a lot of hard times. And so we don't really have to persevere through a lot. Like sometimes we have to persevere because it's a long line for our designer coffee, or maybe our super fast internet doesn't work so fast, or, or, or maybe there's, you know, our app crashes on our iPhone. And so what I started to realize a number of years ago is that I, I started to kind of put myself into harder situations so that I would actually learn how to persevere. Because I was reading some of the research that was coming out of Stanford and different places, and they were talking about some of the, the negative effects of all the ease that we have. Like one example, and you, you, know, you just always make fun of me, like or I have like a, a, a hundred gallon uh, stock tank that I, I make an ice bath and I jump in the ice bath for a couple minutes, five days a week. And even my kids and my wife, my bride, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, listen, I have to get used to being in uncomfortable situations so that when uncomfortable situations happen, I'm not like losing my mind. And they're just like, well, you're crazy. But what I realized in some ways was that perseverance is a muscle that we have to kind of train. And when we're so used to things being easy, uh, when something is hard, we, we just we immediately move to being fearful or stressed out or worrying. And, and so we need to learn how to be people who can persevere, people who have this grit. And, and especially when things are pretty easy and don't get me wrong, I love that things are easy. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I'd rather it be easy than hard. But then when something hard happens, like a global pandemic and civil unrest and, and divisive politics and financial issues and all that we've experienced, when, when that happens, uh, we need to, to, to function in the midst of that and actually be people who still thrive and, and, and care not only and take care of ourselves, but take care of others in the midst of it. So, yeah, so that's really interesting and deep and uh, not in the book. This is a, this is a special moment with you talking about hormetic stress <laughs> and, and, uh, 
and I, I, you know, I cherish these moments. So as we get it, share with the world that you're excited about hormetic stress, uh, and, and those of you that are into the, into the five minute cold shower at the end of your hot shower, it, no, you know, shout out to you guys. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but what's interesting is, um, the concept is saying, okay, physically, according to Harvard, uh, med- Harvard Medicine, you know, all these different people, um, groups have studies out, right, that show what you were talking about, hormetic stress, actually l- lowering uh, stress during the day, um, uh, helping your immune system, making you more awake and alert. What's interesting to me is you're saying um, uh that somehow, even though we're we're going through stressors in our life, if we are if we are somehow activated to the reality of what's going on and how we're experiencing it, how we're processing it, maybe we are able to grow in in the depth of who we are, uh, and and what we're able to not only get through, like I'm going to get through this, but but be able to thrive in that. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about? Absolutely. See, like as a person, like I believe in Jesus, like, so I'm a person of faith. And so I realize that what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency when things are going good, we're like, man, Jesus is awesome. And I love God. And then when things are going bad, we like want to divorce Jesus from all of that. And so what ends up happening is, is at the time, like the Bible says that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. But right as we're in a situation where we're in over our heads and we're feeling overwhelmed, then all of a sudden it's like, we should be pressing into Jesus and being like, Lord, you want to, you have a work that you're trying to do in me in the midst of what's happening right now. And so really what I've learned and really what the last number of years kind of taught me and what I wanted to make sure I expressed in the book is that the the life of the, the overcomer uh, where you get that in Revelation 2 and 3, the prom, Jesus' promises to the overcomer in these seven churches, um, where, of course, the, the we're more than conquerors. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8. And really what the Bible just calls victorious Christian living, that that, that is meant to happen in the midst of the most uh, confusing times, the most challenging times. And so to come back to that resilience equation, what I keep saying in the book and what I tell people all the time is that if you have hope, where, where, you, where you're trusting in God, that God has a plan. But if you don't have that grit, you'll believe that good things will happen, but you'll never see it because you won't be there because God's timetable is different. So, so you, have good, you have good vibes about it, so to speak, but you, you're never going to see what God was doing because you're not there. And then on the flip side, if you have that grit and perseverance, but you don't have hope, you'll see where it lands. But by the time you get there, you're going to be cynical you're going to be hard-hearted and you're going to be bitter about it. So it really is the marriage of hope plus grit, which really, because then by the time, so so one, you're trusting God, you're abiding in faith, hope, and love, and, and, and you're aware of the fact that God is doing something, even if I don't understand what it is. And you hang in there and you end up getting to, you don't eject before God's miraculous work happens. You get to the end, and you're like, oh, that's what God was doing. And you've actually blossomed in the midst of the journey, which I think is so important because I would love to say that things were going to get less confusing, less challenging, 
you know, but I'm looking at the world that we live in. And even though maybe we're post pandemic right now, um, and, and we're not in the, the middle of the election, although there's always the next election that's going to come, that's going to make people crazy. You know, uh, things are going to get more complicated and there's going to be more reasons to be fearful or to be worrying, or there'll be more stress that's coming. So if God has uh, this idea for us called the abundant life, we need to learn how to experience the abundant life in the times that are suff- that involve suffering or stress or fear and worry. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, you just said fear or worry. Uh, worry is a thing that's, you know, I think one of those hidden um, parts of us that we don't really want to talk about. It Plus, it's probably something we don't even think about out loud, really. Um, but it's something that grips all of us is, is worry about events in our life that are out of our control or worry about things that are going on with relationships, with our kids, whatever it is. I'm just curious what your thoughts are about in, in the book, you talk about kind of managing that worry. And uh, what are what are a few like nuggets you can give us that I'm sure you explored a lot more, and that's why we want to get that and read that is to dig deeper into it. But what are just some, like, get us excited about what the concepts are that you get at in in talking about worry? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I I spend a lot of time in, and and one of the things that I always do when I want to write a book is I just want it to be filled with scripture. You know, I think we, we, we have God's word. I think we just don't read it enough. We want other people's words. And, and, and the Bible is so clear about this. I always think of that beautiful passage in Matthew chapter six, uh, at the end of that chapter where Jesus literally says, do not worry three times in nine verses. And I always tell people that when the spirit of God inspires redundancy, of concepts. It's because God knows that we're all a little thick-headed and maybe we missed it the first time. So for Jesus to say, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry in the end of Matthew 6 or in Psalm 37, it says twice in six, six verses uh, in my in the New King James, it says, do not fret or, or don't freak out, I would say. Or if I was speaking in the King James, I'd say, freakest thou not. Like, don't freak out. Don't worry. Because God, first, I think the first thing is God knows that we're apt to worry. That's the first thing, right? And so God knows that we're worry warts. The second thing, and I talk about, uh, and I unpack this a bunch in the book, is that worry, the problem with worry is that worry is functional atheism. So, so like you might, if you're a person who says, I believe in God, then when we worry, we're actually acting like God isn't in control. He's not the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing happens outside of God's will. We, we don't believe that all things will work together for good. So even though we're saying we believe in God, we're actually acting like we don't. So really when we choose to trust God, really what we're doing is we're also abandoning worry. And one of the things that Jesus does, and I'll say a third thing, is that worry takes energy, whether it's mental energy, whether it's uh, it occupies your attention, which 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 is, is a way of expe- expelling en- energy. And really what God wants us to do is he wants us to expend and invest that energy differently but we have to kind of divorce ourselves from our desires to worry. And so really one of the things that I, one of my constant prayers as it relates to this is there's that beautiful passage in the gospels where the guy says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We're saying, Jesus, I know you can do this, 
but there's a part of me that I don't think that you can do this. And so when I catch myself worrying, which is often because I look at the world in which we live in, I look at my own life and my own future. I have my bride and my kids. We have the church, you know, uh, the books, the podcast, the TV, the radio, you have all these things. I can worry about a million things. I'm my extended family, people I love, there's circum situations going on. Whenever I catch myself worrying, I say, oh Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I, I'm acknowledging that I'm worrying right now, but I want to turn that worry into worship. I want to, I want to invest that energy differently. That's great. So investing the energy differently, uh, kind of, um, gets into the, the results of the investment, the, uh, the, the return, the dividend, if you will, for, for your uh, market side, um, you invest, uh, not be, not, not because you're going to, you're going to, I mean, it, you invest because you're going to get results, but I mean, in, in your life, it's kind of, you don't want to make it conditional, but still you invest and you expect returns because God shows us that, that he, he wants to give back. And one of the things you talk about in the book is the concept of newness that you go through these processes and, and reach a, a, a sort of a, a different plane, a different place in who you are. And, um, I uh, just, I, I know we've got a little bit of time, but I just wanted you to kind of explore that space a little bit and talk about um, that concept of newness. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, I love talking about this because, you know, it, it says that if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are being made new. And Jesus said that we must be born again. We must be, we must be made new again. And I think one of the things that God's plan has always been is to return us to, to this place of, innocence and uh, peacefulness and joyfulness, kind of almost a return to the Garden of Eden, that although we failed, God wants to do a fresh work in us. And, I, and, and Jesus said, of course, that we need to become like little children so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I think what happens as we get older is that we have longer memories. I always think of my youngest, Annabelle. And, and Annabelle's at that age where if, like, if she's running and she falls down, she scrapes her knee, she cries, she gets a hug, we clean her up and then she goes running again. And, and it's like, it's like, even though she's like mangled up and she's got band-aids falling off of her or whatever, she's still not afraid to run. But when you get older, you fall down, you skin your knee and you never run again because you're like, oh, that hurt. And so one of the things I believe that God wants to do in our lives, especially as we move through you know, in the book I talk about whether it's through uh, time, seasons of suffering or times of stress or, uh, and, or, or, you know, thriving in the midst of, you know, fear and worry. Uh, as we move through those times, I believe that God is not trying to invite us to just white knuckle it and make it through those times. He's actually inviting us to experience the newness of what it means to be in Christ, th that God can bear the fruit of the spirit in our lives but oftentimes we think that these that this newness happens when these things are over. But actually, Jesus is saying, I actually want to give you that now in the midst of it. And of course, one of the great examples of this is when Jesus and the disciples were on the boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee and the, and the wind and the waves are kicking up and Jesus is just quietly sleeping in the boat. And the disciples are freaking out and they're like, there's no way, Lord, we're perishing. Get up. And Jesus just says, peace, be still. There's no exclamation marks in the text there. He didn't scream at, he just said, shalom. And, and before you know it, everything calmed down. And I believe that that power and that reality is 
our inheritance as the people of God with the spirit of God dwelling in us. So in times of craziness, we should be people who are at peace that when there are times of stress, we acknowledge that it's a stressful season, but we're people who walk in kindness, not snapping at everybody because of the finished work of Jesus. Like I like to tell people that I call the book, you're going to make it not because I know that I'm going to make it, but because Jesus has already made it and he's empowered us to be able to live differently in the world in which we live. That's an awesome way to, to put a period on the end of the podcast today. Um, I, I love that idea of newness in the place that you're in and in every, every level of life. And, you know, not that, not that it can't be nice to change a job like everybody's doing seems like every day now, or to, to change, uh, uh, you know, where you live, um, move to Texas, I guess, or Florida or whatever people are doing. Uh, but if you think about just kind of the average everyday person, how do they, how do they experience newness? It's not by those things. And you, you, you got to figure that Jesus has a bigger picture for us than, I mean, what if we lived in uh, Calcutta, India right now? You've been there. I mean, you're burning, you're, you're, you're literally burning up. It's 140 last week. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with life? And it's, you can't move to Texas. <laughs> and so you kind of have to, realize there was a plan and it's and it's in place and it's and and we all have access to it and and it's very powerful and, and enriching if we embrace it um so i'm excited about it i hope everybody listening uh is going to get a copy of the book again it's it's uh it's called you're gonna make it and um you know you can find it anywhere your 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 favorite places to get books and uh, what, what what's the release date? Is this podcast coming out before or after release? It's before, uh, I, right? I don't know when the podcast is going to drop, but our release date is September 12th of uh, 2022. So so okay. in the beginning of the fall. And uh, and just well, so you all- We will be able to probably get pre-orders is my guess. Either way, go pre-order it on Amazon. That's just a guess. Or even check out the website. You probably have something up there in a, by the time this drops too. So Yeah, so if you go to my website, danielfusco.com, and for those of you who are listening, if it is before, if you're hearing this before, uh, there are special gifts if you pre-order. And so we have, we have, all, we have a special uh, Reclaiming Your Resilience, like an online awesome. course. And so we have some different things that we would love to give you. And you can find about all of that on my website. Just go to danielfusco.com and you can find the book page there. And so, and for all of you out there, listen, I want to encourage you. And, and I love what Jason was saying that, you know, we're blessed to live in a day and age where we can change the external things. We can change jobs. We can change where we live. You know, we can, we can create new uh, rhythms and all that stuff. But so much of what Jesus wants to do is on the inside. It's, it's in our hearts, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. And there are some situations, of course, where you can't actually change the externals. And so the, the, God doesn't just want us just to like, try and hang on and survive those times. But he, in his perfect plans as the great redeemer, wants to do some amazing, amazing things in each one of our lives. 
in really hard times as well. So we don't want to divorce Jesus from the tough times. Like one of the chapters of the book is called Don't Waste the Hard Things because God isn't wasting it. God wants to do amazing things in our lives. And so on behalf, Jason, thanks for being with me on the podcast. It's always fun to hang out. And I know a lot of people are going to be checking out the kombucha and, and I know people are going to be asking you to make some of those, some of those special caffeine uh, shots that you were talking about. It making me thirsty just thinking about it. <laughs> Well, it's been great to talk to you. Great to be on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And I'll make you coffee if you ever come back to the dark side. Oh, I look forward to that. Now, for all of you out there, listen, thanks so much for joining me, Daniel Fusco, here on the podcast. Don't forget, get yourself a copy or a pre-order of You're Gonna Make It, Unlocking Resilience when life is a mess and make sure, let people know about the new book, about the podcast, whether you're watching uh, The Real with Daniel Fusco TV show, or you're listening to uh, you know, Jesus Real Radio, or you're watching the videos on, on social media, or you're checking out Crossroads Community Church, Vancouver, Washington online. I am just honored to be a small part of what God is doing in your life. And so I just want to encourage you, listen, just keep on simply responding to Jesus. He is inviting you today to walk with him, to grow with him, and that he wants to do a great work in your life. So just say yes and see what God's going to do. Until next time, God bless you. Love you. Well, that's all for today's show. Head over to Edify in the App Store, E-D-I-F-I, and download the Edify app where you can listen to my podcast and thousands of other Christian podcasts just like this one. And join me next week for another episode of You're Gonna Make It.